HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Paris Gourmet, delivering specialty foods and ingredients right to your restaurant, bakery, and bar. Learn more at parisgourmet.com. To all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, April 10th, 2019. This is the 212th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind the scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the editor in chief of a major food and wine publication, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to acknowledge good. Notice and give praise to people who you think deserve it, whether it's your employees, your employer, your peers or your colleagues, or even your family members. Taking a little time to congratulate someone for their notable work and achievements will not only make them feel great, but it will give you a feel-good moment, too. So give credit where credit is due. That's my tip today. Now I'm thrilled to have my guest here with me in the studio. It is Hunter Lewis. He is the editor-in-chief of Food & Wine magazine. Previously, Hunter was the editor-in-chief of Cooking Light, executive editor of Southern Living, food editor of Bon Appetit, and kitchen director of Sever. He cooked under Jonathan Waxman in Sonoma County, California, and at Barbuto in New York City. A graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, he was also a reporter at the Herald Sun in Durham, North Carolina, and you can find him in his home kitchen in Birmingham, Alabama. That's right. Thanks for having me, Sherry. Thanks for coming here. It's it's really a treat to have you out here in in Brooklyn. It's all good the to way be back. It's, it's been a few years, and uh, I really like what you said about acknowledging good. You know, I think that's uh, that's an important thing. Um, it's an important rule to live by. Yeah, thanks. I I well, I met you at the Philly Chefs Conference, and there was a little good egg. I think. Uh, yeah, thing so happening. The good egg is is absolutely about acknowledging good. Um, our, our work culture at uh, Food and Wine is called the Good Egg Culture. And um, every Monday morning at 9 a.m., we acknowledge uh, members of our team who've, who've done the best work the week before, uh, whether they you know, created a, a video that went viral or uh, won an award or, or published a story that was you know, absolutely killer. Uh, and we have this foam, squishy egg that says the Good Egg on it. And uh, and we toss that to, to the person who won it for the week, you know. And it's it's a it's a cheesy ritual, but it's a ritual all the same, and it reinforces every Monday morning, you know, why we do what we do and how we go about it. 
and that, that team culture um, matters more than individual culture. You know, and it, it's exactly what you said. It's acknowledging good and reinforcing uh, day in and day out who we are and, and, and why we work together. Yeah, well, I always get inspired from my guests and what they do for my tips. And I, I that was the inspiration behind my tip because I was there and that day the, the good egg went to Maria Yagoda. That's right. So, That's right. Maria is um, our, yeah. uh, our digital restaurant editor and she is absolutely a good egg. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, great. It's um, it's a good start of the show, and you're definitely, I think, a good egg. I want to give you acknowledgement. Right, I can't believe your resume and even the the brief version I gave. You've you have have held a lot of amazing positions at, at at different magazines. So let's go back to your background a bit. And did you study journalism? And did you when did you know you wanted to get into food? I studied journalism at, at UNC, and um, that was really, for me, it was it was about telling stories and and the fact that I was really crappy at pretty much everything else. You know, bad at math, bad at science, bored yeah. uh, by other topics, and and journalism was cool to me because it was like going to vocational school. You know, it was like building an engine. You know, learning how to craft a story and what the hierarchy of the story is, and you know, before you can add any kind of voice or flourish that you learn later. Um, you know, it was really about the, the sort of bare bones of, of telling stories. And so that was, that was my foundation at, at, uh, UNC. And then when I went out, um, after being a ski bum for a year, uh, <laughs> I was working in kitchens and, um, I came back to North Carolina and got a job, uh, as a prep cook during the day and the weekends I was covering sports, uh, and that was a really, really cool time in my life at, at I think I was 22, 23, uh, and I got to cook during the week, and I got to write about sports during the weekend. And then I parlayed that into um, a weekend cops beat uh, at the Herald Sun. And so that was my entree into, uh, you know, working for a mid-sized daily, and that became a full-time gig. And so, you know, in one way or another, uh, from the time I was 18 and working in my first kitchen job at Jersey Mike's, you know, making sub sandwiches, um, a lot of number sevens and eights, um, <laughs> to the, the point at which I was a ski bum or, you know, even after that, you know, and one way or another, I was, I was cooking professionally. Um, you know, they weren't super high level kitchens or jobs. You know, I was a prep cook. I was a fry cook. I was a grill cook. Uh, I loved doing it because being in restaurant kitchens was very much like being, um, on the ball field. You know, and I was a, a lacrosse player at Carolina. Uh, and that was a big, big, important part of my life. And I missed that camaraderie and, and the adrenaline and the teamwork. And cooking really fed that. You know, but I never thought about food as, uh, you know, as a quote-unquote real job. You know, the, the newspaper reporting was the real job. But I started gravitating towards more lifestyle stories and, and restaurant criticism. And uh, I had no idea what I was writing. You know, I was, I was BSing my way through these these uh, critiques of restaurants. And a buddy said, you know, you like this. You should go to culinary school uh, and get a background in it and then become a critic. So I quit my job after a few years and, and moved up here. And um, after... What, what seven, year was this? That was 04. Okay. I moved to New York City right during the, the Republican, Republican convention because I remember all the cops on the train. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, you know, after some odd jobs by spring of 05, I found my way in Jonathan Waxman's kitchen. And Did you go to culinary school here? No. Barbudo, okay. Barbudo became my culinary, culinary school. That was your culinary school. Yeah. You know, and I thought I was going to work there um, for a year and then go and work my way up and become the critic of the, of, at the New York Times. I thought I was going to be, you know, the next Reichel or, or Bruni or, uh, or Sifton. Um, and within two days at Barbudo, I remember at the moment I was peeling peppers um, for this roast chili salsa that was going to uh, be served with grilled uh, skirt steak. Um, and I looked around and I was looking at the dishwashers and, you know, watching the, the uh, people bringing this fresh produce in and talking to the chefs and uh, the front of the house. They were sitting down for family meal. And I remember looking around and I had this, this aha moment. I said, you know, I don't want to be a critic. I don't want to have any bearing on these people's livelihoods, bad or good. I don't want to make or break a restaurant because yeah. there's too much that goes on behind the scenes 
uh, and there's too many livelihoods at stake to do that. I, I just didn't have the constitution for it. And at, uh, you know, soon after that, I started falling in love with the cooking and the process and the, and the restaurant family and, and that life and um, did it for several years there uh, here in New York City at Barbudo and, um, you know, that become, became my restaurant family. And then also for Waxman out in uh, a little hippie town called Sebastopol in Sonoma County. Yeah. And I had this moment, you know, that I, I really, really thought strongly about uh, working my way up and, and becoming a, a chef and restaurateur, um, you know, and then I got married and, and it made more sense to, to go into media, you know, because <laughs> I could come home at night and, um, you know, not, not keep the crazy hours. But, you know, I think at some point in my life, uh, I call it my break-even retirement plan. I don't have to worry about putting the kids through school. You know, I, I will own some kind of restaurant someday. Okay. Yeah. Well, still, still have I don't know the dream of doing that. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be a Graydon Carter type situation, <laughs> but uh, you know, it'll it'll well, be a, a a fun uh, a fun old man's uh, spot. Yeah. And well, I know, and people uh, are are sad in the industry and beyond about Barbudo that it's it's going to be closing. Uh, it's definitely an industry favorite. Yeah, you know, I, I had my moment um, two weeks ago. I went by to uh, say hey to Jonathan and the team. And, um, you know, you could tell that it was cathartic for them. They, they, yeah. This impending, um, you know, move for them, been hanging over their heads for so long. I think it was good to go and get the news out there, that, you know, that the landlord yeah. was going to uh, turn it in. I think it's going to be like a three, three condo unit. Um, which is just crazy. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, I know. I went back for lunch last week too. Yeah. <laughs> had to go. And we we slammed in a uh, a really cool thing on Monday. We had um, everybody from Missy Robbins to Marcus Samuelson, Coleman Andrews, Dorothy Kalins, Helen Rosner, uh, a bunch of of fun chefs and and writers and editors, and did a uh, sort of a state of things there on Monday. You know, oh, and. Nice. and and that'll be in the, uh, we'll edit it down and put it in the July restaurant issue. Because to me, if you think about a place like Barbudo, you think about a place like the Red Cat, you know, we're at a real moment right now in New York City. And um, at a real moment when, when it, everybody's talking about the cost of rent and, and, and the cost of labor and, you know, with Hudson Yards, uh, you know, seeming to pop up out of, out of thin air. Um <laughs> A whole city within a city. Yeah, you know, yeah. I and mean, if it was some things that were discussed on Monday, it's you know, it's almost as if, and this is this is a little too pat and, and uh, a little too black and white, but you know, this, there's this conversation about um, the fight to save, uh, you know, the city's soul when it comes to soul versus uh, malls and, and skyscrapers. So yeah. it's a, it's a it's a hell of a time to be uh, a restaurateur in New York City. Yes, it is. So let's let's jump a little back into the, your history, though. With how did you after you with after Barbudo was then your position with Sever, the kitchen director? Did you leave the restaurant life and then get into that, and then you moved? I mean, being the food editor at Bon Appetit and into being editor in chief at these other glossy magazines is is I mean, you I feel like it was a fast track for all that. Yeah, I, I got really lucky a few times, <laughs> and, um, and 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 like amazing for you. Well, like, it, I I was you know I I said yes to uh to to new experiences and uh, you know before I was really ready for them, um, you know, and I think for me that that first uh, this that first three years in food media, um, from from '08 to 2011 at Sever was a real, Barbudo was my culinary school. Sever was really. You know, that was like my master's in, right. in food journalism because every day, you know, you're coming to work with people like uh, Jim Oslin and, and Karen Chimizu, who's now our executive editor at Food & Wine, and everybody brought it. Everybody had great ideas. Um, you know, we were competitive but supportive, and you you had to you had to bring it. And that really, um, you know, A, it taught me I, I really didn't know how to write, uh, not yet at least, B... Um, you know, I used my culinary skills because I ran the test kitchen and, and, and that was, that helped me stay connected to food, um, and get to know, uh, other chefs and, and, and restaurateurs in the city. And the whole thing was a really formative foundational experience, you know, and, and 
that led to going to work at uh, at Bonap and Connie Nassen when Adam Rappaport came over, huh. uh, and that yeah. was that was another transformational moment because Adam is such a uh, an inspirational um, leader and and you know builder of brands and um, and you know believer in and the power of, of storytelling, and I still use stuff that, uh, every day that I learned from from Adam. You know, call him Coach Riley. Um, and that, that was two very short years there in a dream job at Bone Out. Right. Yeah. It's an amazing publication. So you, how did you get the opportunity then to go into food and wine and, and also the, it's a big change bringing food and wine down to Alabama. Very big change. So, you know, when my wife and I moved down to Birmingham six years ago, we, at the time we had a nine month old baby, um, my daughter, Frances, who's now seven. And we moved down for, uh, you know, change of pace, quality of life. Uh, we were in a one-bedroom in Brooklyn Heights. And, you know, we needed space and, and we needed money. And never did I think that moving to Alabama would, would have given us these new big new career opportunities. Um, you know, but we took a risk, and, and that risk was rewarded three times over. And, the, you know, the first the first job in Birmingham was at Southern Living for a couple of years, and that led to, to Cooking Light. Did that for four years. And um, during the last days of, of uh, Time, Inc., um, you know, every every editor was pulling double duty and doing two jobs. And uh, we built a 40,000-square-foot test kitchen in Birmingham, test kitchen, video, and, and photo studio. And it really, really allowed us to compete and um, and to bring more talent down to Birmingham, and that was a big reason why uh, Birmingham became viable for food and wine. And so, when I was tapped to to run food and wine, you know, it was about not just changing the culture, but thinking about how to operate in two cities. You know, because in Birmingham we've got our our art department, our photo team, production, uh, a few editors, the test kitchen, and in New York we've got wine restaurant editorial, the whole digital team. And, uh, you know, you really have to figure out how to operate in two cities. And, and that's a, that's one of the reasons why we have this good aid culture. You know, you really have to reinforce that culture every day because, um, to, to be creative when you're not in the same room and to, uh, to produce stories and think about, you know, where, uh, where a caption should go or, or what photo to use, you know, that's all easier when you're in the same room as with, with somebody else, you know? So, so yeah. we have, to, we have to practice creativity in a different way. Yeah. Well, you're doing a beautiful job at it. I would have Thank to you. say. So let's take a little break here and we're going to come back, talk more with Hunter. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on heritage radio network. This episode is brought to you by Paris Gourmet, a leading specialty food importer and distributor servicing the New York tri-state area and beyond from coast to coast. I'm Jordan Werner-Berry, the host of Modernist Breadcrumbs here on HRN. When it comes to freshly baked artisan bread, it's key to pair it with butter that's made with the same amount of care and attention. And you don't have to go all the way to France to find truly amazing butter. Bermont 83% is an American butter made using traditional French methods. It's produced by a dairy cooperative in New England. And as a Vermont native, I love that this delicious butter is made locally by family farms. Bermont 83% is great for cooking, baking, and serving on your table with fresh breads and artisan cheeses. It's proudly distributed by Paris Gourmet to restaurants and grocery stores around the tri-state area. Learn more about Paris Gourmet and all of their gourmet savory foods and pastry ingredients at parisgourmet.com. Welcome back to Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Hunter Lewis. He's the editor-in-chief of Food & Wine Magazine. So let's talk about Food & Wine Magazine. <laughs> you, well, you recently launched a new F&W Pro. So do you want to explain what that is? 
So FMW Pro is a new uh, food and drink business content hub. Um, and it's a, a way for us to speak directly um, to folks in, in the food and beverage industry. You know, I'd say 90 plus percent of our, our audience is what I call civilians. They're, they're consumers at home who are looking for ideas to entertain, looking for wines to pair and pour, um, looking for recipes to cook and, and travel itineraries to go and, and do. Um, you know, but we also have this relationship with the trade and, and with the chef and restaurateur and winemaker community that's unlike any other uh, media brand. Uh, and a lot of that is because of events like the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. It's uh, because of uh, Best New Chefs and, and a relationship with, with these folks that we have uh, honored and, and celebrated over the years. And coming from the restaurant world um, 12 or so years ago um, and seeing what's happening now in restaurant spaces and seeing you know, the bad behavior spilled across the front pages of the New York Times above certain chefs, um, you know, and thinking about our, our, our very nasty national dialogue, you know, we thought about what, what can food and wine do um, to be not just to be a part of the conversation, but to, to potentially lead change. And the answer is Food and Wine Pro. And Food and Wine Pro is, you know, it's really about celebrating uh, leadership, mentorship. It's about um, giving pros uh, the tools to grow personally and professionally. And we do this um, through my newsletter that I write and publish every Friday through Kat Kinsman uh, and, and her podcast, Communal Table, that comes out every week. Uh, we've got Elena Page on the website and also uh, events. You know, so yesterday we just did, uh, yesterday we just, we just announced the 2019 class of Best New Chefs. It's amazing. And, it's quite uh, a list. Ten amazing chefs uh, from across the country, including Puerto Rico. Uh, and they're awesome. You know, they are, they're the chefs that are going to lead and change and pioneer the way that we eat and drink over the next 30 years. Much like uh, the chefs uh, over the past 30 years, like Thomas Keller and David Chang and and uh, Missy Robbins and other luminaries have, have shaped the way we eat now. You know, but it's not enough for a food media brand now to, to, to publish a list. Uh, it doesn't matter how uh, good the reporting is. Of course it matters. The reporting better be good. The scouting better be good. The, the, the chefs better be legit. Whether you're writing about coffee or writing about chefs, you, you better do your homework. Uh, but I don't think it's enough anymore to publish a list. You know, for us, uh, it's important that we're investing in the people that we are uh, honoring with this accolade. And so that's why we do things like the Best New Chef Mentorship Program. You know, and so yesterday we got in a room with 28 people, and uh, these chefs' phones were just blowing up all over social media because uh, we had announced that morning that they were Best New Chefs. And you know, they're getting DMs over Instagram and texts and emails. You know, but they're not armed yet with uh, that arsenal of skills like veteran chefs and restaurateurs are. You know, they, they haven't been battle tested. Um, and it's a, it's a brave new world out there. So the mentorship program is really about aligning uh, past best chefs like Tom Colicchio and George Mendez and uh, Rocco Despirito and Missy Robbins with, with this new guard and talking about issues of the day, whether it's about building your brand or, you know, knowing who to sign a, a partnership agreement with to uh, mental health and work-life balance, to, you know, how to, how to handle PR and media. You know, those are some of the topics we, cover, uh, topics we covered yesterday. And the idea is that, you know, hopefully we're creating some new lily pads for, for these best new chefs, the new ones, um, to navigate, you know, this, this bigger pond. Um, and, you know, everybody's going to fail. Everybody's going to screw up. Everybody's going to make mistakes. But hopefully we can help this new guard uh, make fewer mistakes than, than uh, their older colleagues, you know, their older peers. And hopefully we can figure out a way that, um, that, you know, that by investing in them, we're creating a new kind of community and, and a community that's committed to, um, to leading change in this industry. You know, it's easy to point out bad behavior. It's easy to point out bad actors, you know, but there's, there's so many good people in this business. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many strong restaurant families and strong restaurant cultures. And so it's important to, to um, showcase those and to share best practices. It's important that, you know, we get out of this pirate ship mentality. Um, you know, the, the, the super work hard, play hard culture uh, and thinking of, think more about how to professionalize the industry. Yeah, no, it's really smart. 
I think it's wonderful you're doing that. Is the for moving forward with it? Will there there be continual events bringing people together, or did you specifically match a best new chef with a previous best new chef? So uh, the mentorship program it's it's twofold. There was the three hour session yesterday mm-hmm. uh, before our party last night, and then uh, we've given the chefs uh, the new chefs a survey. Uh, to talk about what kind of mentor they, they'd like, and then based on their feedback, we'll pair them up with a, a former best new chef, you know, whether it's in their okay. city or, or, or uh, somewhere yeah. else. That's really cool. And the last Jordana Rothman did an incredible job with her, her traveling around the 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 um, the states. Twenty four cities, thirty thousand miles. Yeah, and that Puerto Rico's on the list, and also, I mean, a few. It's it's a very diverse list. I I like it. You know, I I, I think she did an incredible job. Uh, let me. This is a good a good segue from your talking about best new chefs to my question from my my previous episode because I had on Danielle Ballou in episode uh, two hundred and ten and he is in the first class of best That's new right. chefs from Food and Wine magazine in in nineteen eighty eight. So Danielle Thomas Keller, uh, Rick Bayless. Bayless was in that class. Uh, yeah, it was. It's. That that the list is super heady. I mean, it's it's a really really cool thing when you yeah. you trace the arc of of uh, culinary history in America. Um, you know, that really didn't begin to percolate until the late seventies. And you look at where we're at now, and you look at the people who led that. Uh, you know, these Mass. movements. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them were best new chefs. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 amazing. So Danielle Ballou, legendary res- chef and restaurateur with the Dynex Group, he has two questions for you. We're gonna play them back. Uh, well, I think you know the the f- food and wine keep also evolving, growing into his uh, uh, readership. And uh, what I like is would they keep. Um, extending the publishing side or do you think for him social media is much more important and and communication or the reach out to their consumer uh, is it better through either not only social media but media platform such as um, uh, phone or computers or versus uh, print I um, and uh, that's one question, and 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 also food and wine, you know they they have always done best new chef, which is great, uh, but uh, would they do like James Beard more recognition for other things than chef, such as you know best new pastry chef, best new bakers, best new other categories. Other categories. There you go. Good questions. Absolutely. Yes. So uh, to answer Danielle's first one, um, you know, what's awesome right now is that Food & Wine print, the magazine, is growing. Um, revenue's up. Pages are up. Good which to for hear. me as a, uh, as, as a greedy editor who wants a lot of pages to tell the stories with big full-page photos... Uh, that's a good thing. You know, we've got a, a, a unique opportunity at a time when the industry is shrinking and, and uh, magazines are, are shrinking that we're growing. So we're committed to to print. Uh, Meredith, our corporate um, owner, is, is committed to print. So we're, we're all in, you know. Um, but we're also committed to every other platform. You know, we're, we're committed to growing and improving Instagram and, and Twitter and um and the, the new podcast that I mentioned, Kat Kinsman's Communal Table. Um, so, you know, you've got to be on every platform and you've got to make sure that you're putting out quality stories um, and you got to make sure that you're the brand on all platforms and, and that uh, aesthetically, stylistically, through your voice, um, that it's food and wine on each one. So they're all important. Um, but print is the one that drives the most revenue and it's the one that has the, the biggest reach and, and also drives the most engagement as a reader. So it's, it's still our bread and butter. Um, and then the second question, we've explored um, opening up Best New Chefs and thinking about what the model is. I, we, I don't think we would ever 
think about um, taking the James Beard Foundation approach because you know that's an important organization and, and those awards work in their own way. Um, so it, I wouldn't want to compete with that. Um, you know, I, I, I would think about how maybe we would partner with them, um, maybe to celebrate good leadership, things like that. But um, as we think about our lists and thinking about adding new dimensions to them, um, we'll, we're about to announce our best new restaurants. Um, so that's another list on top of, of best new chefs. Uh, for the first time, uh, the day we launched Food & Wine Pro, we launched a new kind of list, and that's called Great Restaurants to Work For. And that's all yeah. about uh, restaurant culture and, and great leadership, uh, best business practices. So that's a different kind of list, you know. And I think that those are the kind of things that, that we're interested in growing in a big way, you know, because really that's about acknowledging good, um, you know, as, as you kicked off the show with. Yeah, great answers. And you have the Aspen Classic coming up soon, too, that um, you guys are still pioneering or part of. Uh, that's right. Any any highlights coming up with that? Like any any, are you do you bring the best new chefs out there? Best for new that? chefs will okay. be cooking at the Food One Classic in Aspen, um, June fourteenth through sixteenth. And um, I attended my first Food One Classic last summer, and there's nothing else like it. I mean, there, it is yes. such an incredible experience, and and you're there um, in the mountains in Colorado, um, and and the five thousand ticket holders are rubbing elbows with the chefs. And the chefs are all there um, because it's a reunion. And, and uh, they're all uh, sharing stories about their families. They're, ta- they're doing business deals. They're you know, having a, a great time. And it's, it's a really, really cool experience. And you know, this year, uh, we're going to have some of the same characters like Marcus and, and Jonathan Wa- Marcus Samuelson, Jonathan mm-hmm. Waxman, right. um, Jacques Pepin. Uh, and then we'll have some new faces. J.J. Johnson will be there. Carla Hall will be there. Um, you know, and so we're excited to, to welcome some of the, the new talented chefs there. And then also Ruth Reichel, um, you know, who I've always looked up to. Um, Ruth's going to be there, and we're going to do a Q&A about her awesome new book, her memoir from the gourmet years. Uh, Martha Stewart will be there. Uh, trying to get Martha to bring Snoop. <laughs> but I think oh, it would just be Martha. That would, which, that would be hey, very cool. Martha's awesome. So yeah, I've I've been, I think six times the classic. I I'm due to go back. It's it's just there's something about Aspen and the just the mountain air and it's just a happy place. It's magical and it's such a well executed event. It's like seamless. So you know, you come away almost like uh, you know that uh, that high you would get uh, at summer camp. You know, why can't, yeah. why can't the world be more like this? Or how do I take that yeah. that, uh, that week of summer camp into, into life? You know, it's like you want to bottle some of that magic from Aspen and carry it with you for, for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We'll play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio has plenty more. Hi, I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I'm the host of Feast Your Ears here on HRN. My show explores the world of food through storytelling. Every week, I talk with people inside and outside the food world about how experience has shaped what they eat and cook. You can find Feast Your Ears wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Hunter Lewis. It's time for my speed round game. So what this is, is I'm going to name a few things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. You ready? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? All of the above. (laughs) Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Lots of small plates. Lots of small plates. I like it. Communal table or chef's counter? Communal table. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? 
tipping. Cooking a recipe or editing a recipe? Well, I think the best way to edit a recipe is to cook a recipe. So. That's just fabulous. <laughs> okay, three more. Red boat fish sauce or any other sauce? Red boat fish sauce all the way. I have. To, I don't know if I've ever had that. I might have to go. Oh, it's buy a jam. Some. There is. There's nothing else as as good and as versatile as red boat. Yeah, I saw it on a, a list of your your favorite things. So figured. Not sponsored, yeah. but I do love it. <laughs> Yet, <laughs> no. How about a cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Montgomery? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Very cool. I've never been down south. I need to visit. I mean, I've been down south, but not to Montgomery. Come eat some uh, barbecue with white sauce. White sauce? White sauce, yeah. It's it's a North Alabama thing, and you mop smoked chickens as you're you're cooking them over hardwood coals with um, vinegar and mayonnaise and black pepper sauce, and it's dynamite. Really, really tangy. Wow, sounds sounds great. Yeah, I'm down for it. I did. I wasn't a believer until I had it. It it is. It's legit. Okay, I believe you. I I I I feel like you you know your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I had on industry news. I had your your list. I feel like we should talk about it a little more because um, yesterday it's big news. Food and wines. Best New Chefs for 2019 came out, and this is curated by restaurant editor-at-large Jordana Rothman. She picks 10 rising stars across the country. And, you know, I've been to two of the places on the list. You have uh, Automix with Jungyeon Park, that's in New York City, and Kwame, I don't know how to pronounce this last name, Onwachu? Onwachu. at Keith and Ken in Washington, D.C., and I, they're both fabulous, and I, I know them both, and I was just very happy that that they they were um, Kwame and, and JP are stars. They yeah. are are legit legit stars, and I think uh, both of their futures are extremely bright. You know, and I've gotten to know uh, Kwame a little bit over the past few days, and uh, have read uh, read his new book, which I, is incredible. I have a copy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I need to dive in. Um, you know, and it was interesting. He said it at a panel not long ago. It was in Philadelphia. Right. And he, he was saying, you know, he gets criticism. Oh, you're 29. How could you possibly publish a, a memoir at 29? You know, and his answer is, why not? Like, why does age matter? You know, uh, his experiences are so different and diverse. Uh, and the book is is a great read. And uh, you know, I think he is he's going to be a real leader um, that's going to step up. And and um, and I'm excited to see what he does. You know, and JP, I, I I was getting a little bit jaded last year. I come up to uh, New York from Alabama about every three weeks, you know, and try to eat as many restaurants as possible. And I was just getting kind of jaded on on the restaurant scene, which is more my fault. That's me. I was just, you know, kind of falling in old ruts. And I had a a, uh, few bites at the bar at Attaboy uh, that really woke me up. And 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 uh, it was that sort of the, the sort of like lightning bolts of like ah the, the magic's still here, and then I had a tasting menu at Atomex in January uh, that was incredible, and you know that that level of service and that attention to detail uh, and that education that you're getting in a really really uh, hospitable, joyful, uh, sensual way about yeah. what uh, you know what. Korean fine dining can be. It was it was an incredible experience. It's one of the best meals I've had in a long time. Yeah, I dined there in the fall. I think it was very close to when they had opened. Maybe they were open like six weeks or less. And I thought it was one of the most thoughtful, amazing meals I've had. I mean, the details, the cards with mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. dish, the care. And I knew I left that experience knowing it was going to do well and and be rewarded for right. that what they were doing. Like you know, that was I, my I, my feeling. I think that what JP and his wife are doing, um, it's so singular, you know, and their vision is so uh, so complete, uh, and their aesthetic sense is also so mm-hmm. powerful. Um, yeah, that, yeah, there's nothing else like that. It's definitely special, and I'll, I have to, you know, always Jordana, you know, she she she. Puts in a lot of miles traveling around, and there's you know from from Seattle to Oakland to Puerto Rico. I mean, there's there's you know lots of 
covered the you know it's it's very diverse i love it there's there's places every in you know across the country well yeah there's there's great restaurants everywhere now and yeah, um true. you know this is never an easy list to put together um and and those miles those 30,000 miles are real that's a lot of <laughs> a lot of time away from home um yeah you know but it's amazing to think about um how our our, our culinary capitals are shifting and Right now, there's the big conversation is about you know is is uh, L.A. the real um, the real sun in the in the culinary solar system for the country right now, and you know I think for a lot of reasons the answer is yes, you know. But if you think what's happening uh, in Seattle, what's what's happening in San Francisco, what's happening in uh, in Dallas now, and Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. um, and Birmingham, um, there's such great food everywhere and such great hospitality everywhere. Uh, and that's not going away. You know, it, it's only growing. And I think this list shows, um, you know, it's it's a part of the past the past couple years. Um, you know, we're seeing a real change in kitchens and and a real change in and who is leading the way. Um, and this explosion of of uh, new kinds of flavors and new ingredients. Yeah. Well. It's congratulations to everyone on on this list. It's uh, it's I think it's it's really an honor to 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 be on those top that ten. Just you know, so I'm very happy for for them all. And yeah, people should go to your website. What food food foodandwine.com. Foodandwine.com. Yeah, it's right there and, on the homepage, and it's all it over Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Go to Instagram. You follow along. I've been following along. Okay, so before we take one more break, I'm just a little announcement. So next Wednesday, April seventeenth, it's New York City's Taste of the Nation for No Kid Hungry. It's taking place at the Brooklyn Expo Center, which is in Greenpoint, and uh, this is a wonderful event. I've been many times. I'm going to go this year. It's a walk around tasting event, and it brings in. Uh, 40 of New York City's hottest chefs, bartenders, and sommeliers, and 100% of the proceeds support the No Kid Hungry campaign's work to end childhood hunger in America. So I have a special discount or promo code for my listeners, 20% off tickets. You can go to events.nokidhungry.org backslash New York, or just go to the nokidhungry.org website and you can follow along if uh, and you will find the New York event. And my promo code is INDUSTRY20. If you put that in, you'll get 20% off your tickets. Also, I'm partnering with this taste event, and I have a special giveaway for a pair of tickets. So how we're going to do this, go to Instagram, follow at all industry, follow at no Kid Hungry, and then post about us, tag us at, at all industry, at no Kid Hungry on your Instagram feed or your story and uh, tell me why you want these tickets. And the first person to do this, I will give you, I will give away this pair of tickets. I will contact you directly by direct message. So um, just, just to be clear though, we don't, I don't have uh, any budget for lodging or transportation. So you will have to be in New York or Brooklyn to go to the event, but I hope, I hope you guys play along and to see you there. So, um, that's that. We're going to take one more break. I have my solo dining experience coming up and the final question. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at Charleston. Here's the rundown. The location, 1000 Lancaster Street in Harbor East, Baltimore, Maryland. The concept, a celebrated pick for new American plates and a well-curated wine list. The contemporary cuisine is rooted in French fundamentals and the low country cooking of South Carolina. 
the owners, wine director Tony Foreman and chef Cindy Wolf. So why did I go? Because I was visiting Baltimore because I just started working with Spike Jardie of Woodbury Kitchen and I planned a little extra time I, so I could explore Baltimore and I was curious about this restaurant. It's, it's highly acclaimed. It was founded in 1997 and it's located over on the waterfront neighborhood of Baltimore. So I went. My experience. Now I made a reservation for two because online that was the only option and I find that a lot with solo dining. A lot of times there just isn't a solo reservation available but I called to change it and they happily did so and actually the response uh, on the phone uh, the gentleman said well you'll you know you'll have good company which I, I thought was funny or it made me smile. Okay, so when I arrived, they asked me if I wanted a table by the kitchen. I said, of course, that would be fabulous. And uh, I was seated at a chew top near the open kitchen. I could see Chef Cindy expediting the whole night. And my server went through the menu for me. So their menu changes daily. They have different course options. They have that you can choose between three, four, five, or six courses from, a, from about 25 dishes. And dessert is is not included in that you also get dessert and they have an option for a cheese cart so what did i get i went with four courses and i had the signature rich lobster soup with curry cornmeal fried oysters louisiana crawfish napoleon and spring morels and then for dessert i had midnight at the opera which was a chocolate dessert my take it was amazing uh my i especially loved the flavorful flavorful soup and the crawfish was beautifully presented and it was just divine. Uh, my meal was definitely ideal for a seafood lover. They do have vegetable dishes and meat options, but I realized I went mostly seafood. So the ambiance, it's an elegant yet comfortable white tablecloth setting. It's very, uh, there's a lot of space between the different tables and it was a quieter setting than a lot of the, I'd say New York City restaurants I've been to lately. Perfect for a solo dinner or a date. Interesting tidbit. Okay, so this year, Chef Cindy Wolf is nominated for the eighth time for Best Chef Mid-Atlantic at the James Beard Awards. Let's see if she gets the win this year. I'm, I chatted with her a little bit, and we'll be going to Chicago to cover the awards, so I hope to see her there. Personal fun fact. So this is, this is cool. I met Peter Keck who's the mater d and manager there when i was leaving and we got to talking and i said well maybe i'll try to go to the orioles yankees game in baltimore when i'm in town on sunday and he's like we're going we have a box let me know if you're there long story short i ended up in their box at the stadium on sunday for a baseball game and it was it was really cool and i forgot to ask peter i think he was the gentleman on the phone that that i spoke with when i changed my reservation but um, it was really quite a treat, so thank you so much. The cost of my meal was $94. That's not including tax or gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. And their website is charlestonrestaurant.com. And that's my take on that. And have you been there? I have not, but the hospitality sounds incredible. Incredible. I ended up in a box seat at, at a baseball game because, I don't know, sometimes things happen when you're solo and I'm more open to talking to people, I guess. No, I hear you. I, I but I, I love the way that um, they talk to you on the phone. You know that yeah. first that first encounter with the restaurant made a made a good impression. Yeah, that's yeah. It was it was super sweet, and I no one's ever said that to me before. I mean, people have been nice when I've changed reservations, but it was it was it was clever. So I recommend this restaurant. I think it's it was um, it was special. It's worth visiting. Okay, it's time for the final question. So my next guest is August Cardona. He's the co-founder of Epicurean Group, which includes Lertusi and Foro and Del Anima, which recently located to Gotham West Market after 11 years on 8th Avenue. So Hunter, what would you like to ask August? What I would ask August is, um, especially in, in a city like New York, um, what are the the things that an Italian restaurant uh, needs to do to stand out uh, among the competition? There's so many great Italian restaurants. Um, what are the you know what are the keys to making sure that um, the restaurants and, and his group stand out? You know, and are the kinds of places that, that people come back to over and over and over again? 
you know, is it a particular brand of hospitality? Is it a particular brand of culture? Is it, um, you know, uh, a, a style of pasta that, that nobody else makes? Um, or is it all those things, you know, but I think, um, especially if you're in an Italian restaurant in this incredible dining city, you know, how, yeah. how do you stand out? I will find out. Great question. Thank you so much. That is the show. Thanks for having me, Sherry. I'm honored to have you here. I'm so impressed with your career and everything you've done. I've always been a subscriber of Food & Wine. I will continue to be. And I look forward to all the exciting things you're doing ahead. Very grateful to be here. Thank you. My guest today has been Hunter Lewis. He's the editor-in-chief of Food & Wine magazine. Their website's foodandwine.com. You can follow him on social media at Notes from a Cook. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Amanda, and thanks again to Hunter. So next week, actually, is not my show with August. Next week, I'm doing an on-the-road episode from the Philly Chefs Conference. And that is a conference I attended in early March. And I will be chatting with Mike Traud, who's the conference founder and event chair. I also have interviews with two of Copenhagen's most respected chefs, Matt Orlando of Amas and Christian Bauman of 108. So tune in next week for that. Then at Heritage, we have a little spring break. I will be attending the James Beard Awards in Chicago. And then I come back on May 8th, and that's when my show with August Cardona will be live here on Heritage Radio. So I hope you'll tune in to all that. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.